many years ago, I've been pastoring now for over 16 years, and, um, and we're actually getting ready here. This is our third church plant, and now uh, Serve City is actually about to turn four years old. Come on, somebody. Uh, we're actually ending our fast. You're going to hear more details about that on Serve City's fourth birthday, which is on the 24th. It's going to be a dope day. Uh, you want to look out for it. Uh, that day, also, our pastors, new pastors are going to be ordained, our first ever pastors. We've never had pastors other than my wife and I here, and they're going to be ordained and put in position, and we are excited about that. Praise God. But, you know, I've been saved, and I've been in ministry for over 16 years, and pastoring and planting churches and you know when I first got started uh, as a Christian you know I was really really zealous I mean any other Christians that you can witness with me if you've been you know some of you've been following Jesus since Noah built the ark right and you know so you've been in this thing a long time right uh, anybody else would identify with me that you were zealous when you first got saved I mean, I was super zealous. I used to have the, I thought I had to have the biggest Bible because the size of the, pow, the, size of the Bible was indicative of the power that I had. And uh, I used to read the Bible for hours and hours and hours on end. And in the moment, you know, I wouldn't remember a lot of what I read. And part of that is related to the fact that, you know, uh, there were times when I was growing up, I was just not the best. Uh, my wife kind of spoke about this, and this is one of the areas that we're similar. You know, in, in terms of scholastic, our scholastic endeavors, coming up, I was not in a place where I, you know, did really well as it pertained to school. <laughs> I, man, honestly, I don't even know, to be honest with you, how I graduated high school. It was the grace of God. I did not do well. Uh, and especially as it pertained to memorizing things. Come on. Uh, and somebody, somebody knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so, you know, even though I read scripture, it did not mean I felt like I was not really retaining anything. And it was like, you know, maybe, maybe someone else can witness and identify. Sometimes it feels like you're reading it and, you, you know, it's difficult to remember things. And you're to, we're talking about script, scripture memorization. And you're like, man, how on earth am I supposed to do this? Well, it was powerful because I'll never forget one day uh, I was, you know, uh, at the church that I was attending at that time, the church that actually launched me, uh, you could say, I guess, apostolically into church planting and all of this. Um, and I was in the lobby and it was nuts because right when I was there uh, in the lobby, somebody came up to me and they asked me randomly, where, and I'll never forget this, where does the Bible say God is love, Right. And mind you, I'm still new to this thing at that point. And they came and they said, where's God? Where does it say God is love? And I think they were saying something about how they don't think God is love and blah, blah, blah. And where does it say this in the Bible and all of this? And immediately, out of the blue, in that moment, I suddenly remembered that 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. And then I'll never forget remembering, and I was able to even tell them, not only there, but it also says it in 1 John 4, 16, right? And it was crazy to me. I'm like... How on earth did I remember this? Because when I was reading this stuff, I, could not, I couldn't fathom the concept of being able to remember all of these things. But it was powerful because what I've begun to realize, trust me, I'm going somewhere, stay with me, this will be life-changing for you if you grasp this. What I noted is, is that when it is that I'm reading the word, uh, where it's getting deposited is not just into my brain, but it's also getting down in my spirit memory. And so there's, there's a difference between reading uh, a general and a regular book uh, between, there's a difference between this and reading the word of God. Somebody in the chat, but there's a difference. And what happens is when you read God's word, it gets down in your spirit and there's something that's powerful therein because the Bible makes it clear. Watch this in John 14, 26, John 14, 26. I want you to go ahead. Somebody put that in the chat, uh, you know, and I'm going to read it from the ESV. This is one I want you to write. I'm going to give you some scriptures today that will be life changing for you to go and study yourself through the week. Come on. And so John 14, 26, Jesus says, but the helper... And this is what he calls the helper, the Holy Spirit. So here it is, the Holy Ghost, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So this is prior to him dying, rising from death, ascending to heaven, and then sending the Holy Spirit to be not just God with us, but now God in us. He says, but the helper, somebody say the helper. 
the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And watch this. He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So if it was just up to my mind, for some of you, if it was just up to the weed brain, y'all don't want to. You know, y'all don't want to keep it real with me. If it was just up to the weed brain, if it was just up to your ability to remember or to not remember, the fact is that we would not remember. But what happens is when you read scripture, you are ingesting and bringing it into your spirit. And what that does is it puts you in position to where the helper. Oh, I love him. Aren't you so grateful about the fact that the Holy Ghost is a helper? Some of y'all think the Holy Ghost is just here to make you dance and, and to just make you run and jump. But are you grateful that he's a helper? I wonder if there's anybody that's watching that has ever, ever experienced the helping of the Holy Ghost. That person's you. You go ahead, put the hand up emoji in the chat. He brings to our remembrance, Jesus says, the words that he has said to us. And so this is a powerful concept. When you are approaching the scriptures, you ought to go and approach the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to attend you and to give you the help. Watch this for it to not only be stored in your spirit bank, but also at the appropriate time that the Holy Spirit will bring back Christ's words to your remembrance do i have a witness do you hear me are you with me on this morning and this is powerful so i want to challenge us today as we're talking about being grounded it's imperative that we are grounded especially in the word of god it's important for us to be grounded in god's word you know this is a generation uh that i'm I believe is so caught up on feelings and is so caught up on how god makes us feel and yes god can make you feel good come on anybody that knows that he can make you feel good but how many of you know that god is not just here to make you feel good but god is not about god is not just about titillation he's not just about giving us orgasms but god is here for us to to challenge us to understand more about him to know who he is to know what his desire for us is as his children and i love you know in acts chapter 17 write this down check it out later acts chapter 17 verse 10 through 12 we find there's an encounter with some individuals by the names of the bereans and the bible makes it clear i'm going to read it the brothers immediately sent paul and silas away by night to berea somebody say berea and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Bible says they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures. Here it is on Sundays, just on Saturdays. No, the scriptures daily to see if these things were so this is why i tell you don't take my word for it fam i could be up here lying to you you gotta make sure that you have not just a prayer life but your study life as well you've got to make sure that what i'm saying to you is in line with god's word these bereans these were jews the apostles are going around preaching to all sorts of people but when they reach Berea, they reach some individuals who don't just take it at face value or air value, but they're desirous of studying scriptures. And this is why I'm saying we are in a generation that it's not that we don't have access to inner information, but we are more focused and uh, satisfied with titillation than the information that God has revealed to us through his word. And consequently, we heap ourselves as, as the apostle paul says uh heap ourselves to uh to us teachers having itching ears and so we find if this person says something good or makes me feel good i'll hang out here but as soon as they challenge me mm -mm, this ain't god and then i go over here and then now i go to the next person find the next person that can titillate me better in this other place but it's not about titillation and there are many of us you sit there and you are loyal and you just listen and you take it in as gospel and it is far, it is the antithesis of what scripture is encouraging. It's imperative for us to go from just titillation to information, which leads by God's grace to transformation. 
So the helper, the Holy Spirit, will bring to our remembrance. I mean, it's important not only for us just to get to the place where we are filling ourselves with God's word, but I want you to note this. Uh, the apostle Peter, he declares in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but sanctify, some translations say, or but honor Christ in your heart and be always ready to give an answer. Come on, this is where we get the concept of apologetics. Uh, the word apologia, which means to give an answer answer or an argument we always have to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us with gentleness and respect how can you give an answer for the hope that is within you if you don't even know how to explain the hope that is within you and I even question whether or not some of us actually have the hope that the bible describes or if we just have a feeling of hope and so I want you to understand this. This is where when I think about this and, 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 and challenging Surf City will be known not just for titillation. Trust me, I love having fun. I love running up and down. I love jumping and singing and all of this. But we ought to be known for our knowledge. And watch this, not just our knowledge, but also our practice of that which the word says. Come on, are you with me? If you're with me, say I'm with you. If I, I'm with you, we're going to be grounded on God's word. So today I want to jump into this passage, this one that we're getting ready to memorize. Because I memorized it in the King James Version. And this is, you know, some of you, you, you hear me quoting scriptures and stuff. And I, and I don't do so to be braggadocious or to make my seem, myself seem as if I'm cooler than you. But to encourage and challenge you to remember and to memorize and to put scripture in your heart. And you're going to see why it's important in a minute. Here in Psalm chapter 1, uh, I love it. The psalmist starts this book of Psalms by saying blessed is the man somebody say blessed is the man blessed is the man he says that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly what I love here I want to start with this the first word in here we're just going to break it down line upon line blessed is the man the first uh, thing I want to notice is this is the word the word blessed because uh, for those of you who are new to Bible and you're wondering why do I need to know this why do I need to put this you know this book that has been written over about a 1600 year period of time uh, by over 40 authors on three different continents Asia Africa and Europe it's been written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, which is a common language of that time. And uh, here in the Old Testament, it is written in uh, Hebrew. And so the word for blessed there or blessed uh, is the word Asha. Asha. Everybody say Asha. The word Asha. E-S-H-E-R. And I love it because it does not just mean uh, the word blessed as we think about it, but it also means, it also means happy my god somebody say happy it's indicative of not just blessing but it's also indicative of happiness in fact you can actually read this uh this passage uh, you can read it as happy is the man uh, in addition to blesses the man you can say happy is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly so happy is the man somebody say happy can I give you point number one? Here's point number one for you. Uh, if you're with me, say I'm with you. Here it is. God wants us to be happy in him. <laughs> here it is. Here it is. God wants us to be happy in him. Some of you don't think that God wants you to be happy. You know, and we do a lot of things in church like we say, you know, it's so important for us to have joy, you know, and we can, when you have joy, joy is, you know, rooted in Jesus. And so no matter what the circumstances, then you can have, and that is absolutely true. We even hear things like God is more interested in your holiness than your happiness. And when it is that we say things like this, that is cute and I get it and, it, and there is truth in it. But, but we oftentimes will get ourselves to the place where through those statements, it's almost as if we're negating or attempting to nullify the fact that God still desires for us to be happy. Oh my. In fact, somebody in the chat, uh, you know, you may have felt that way. Maybe uh, you're, I'm not the only person. You can put God wants me to be happy. Watch this. Uh, and so God's desire is for us to be happy. It's yes, I know that sometimes it may seem like semantics. It's not just about joy. And you know, because many of us, we think that God just wants to poop every party and wants us to just be a mess and never wants us to have happiness in our life. I want you to know that God does desire. He starts by saying happy is the man the issue that God has is not with our happiness it's the source and the purpose of our happiness 
So the issue is not about our happiness. It's the, it's the source of our happiness. Where are you getting your happiness from? What is it that you do, come on, to get happy, quote unquote? And what is the purpose? What is your desire? What ultimately uh, is the end goal of this happiness? And so God wants us to be happy. I mean, I never forget the pursuit of happiness, that movie. I mean, it's a tearjerker with Will Smith and his son. And I think, you know, that familial connection therein uh, made it even more emotional and how he goes through his whole life with the pursuit and the desire of being happy. And I mean, if you've seen that movie, it is just a tearjerker. I've seen it a number of times and I cry every time, you know, because it's just really dope. But I want to continue to unpack this because when we're talking about happiness and the pursuit of happiness, what is the ultimate goal and what is it that gives us happiness and this is why if we go back to the text he says blessed is the man that walks not somebody say walks not walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly not only does God want us to be happy in him but here at point number two I want to give you point number two sometimes watch this our blessing or I'll even say our happiness is attached to what we don't do he said, blessed or happy is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Notice it doesn't say what the man does to be blessed. He says what the man does, what the man doesn't do in order to be blessed. How many of you know that sometimes your blessing, let me say it again, is attached to what you don't do? It's not about oftentimes what we do do. It's what we don't do. Watch this. Too many of us are unhappy because of our inability to say no. And so the text is he's saying blessed is the man or happy is the one that does not. You want to know happy? I want you our happiness. I want you to invite some friends. I want you to share this. Invite some friends in. Come on. We're talking about the true pursuit of happiness and how you can guarantee and have happiness in your life despite what's going on. This is some good stuff in such a tumultuous and a crazy time. I want you to grab this. Sometimes our blessing is attached to what we don't do many of us are unhappy because of our inability to say no some of you i know there's even this theme and this this thought that's out there say yes to everything or i'm gonna just commit to i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say let me tell you fam uh, you gotta get to the place where you treat your yeses like they are priceless come on somebody you and i gotta get to the place where we realize that in order for us to be effective in life that we gotta guard our yeses come on and we need to be to give out more no's because there are so many things that we agree to that position us aside from what it is that god's desire is for our life and I'm telling you God he desires for you and for me to be grounded for us to have stability and the reason why many of us are in flux is because we keep saying yes to everything we got to say no to ungodly things I'm getting ready to break it down a little bit more but I want you to understand that it's imperative watch this if you are going to be grounded this year and going forward you've got to create margin somebody say uh, in the chat i've got to create margin what do you mean by this you know like on those papers uh that you write the rule papers that you used to use in school uh, on one side of the paper there is something called margin a margin there's space that is there that you don't write on i mean what on the earth there's usually you might write a couple things in there but it's it's not the body of work it's not the place where you write predominantly it is a space i mean why can't we use the whole paper why can't we use it? I mean, the space is there. The lines are there. But there is usually margin right there where the, where the binder, if you're putting in the binder, where there are holes, there is space that is there. Not because the paper can't be used, but you leave it and make it available just in case you need to put some notes or something of importance that is there. Who's with me on this morning? There are things in your life. You, If you are going to be grounded, you and I got to get to the place where we create some margin and some boundaries in our life watch this it's not that i am unable to do it but the fact is i have i have created a sacred space that i am unwilling to allow for that to be breached come on so that i can be in a place of happiness and wholeness come on and joy and so consequently even if i could if i'm not going to because of the margin and the boundaries that i've created in my life are you with me? I mean, my wife and I, people know here, even our team, they know uh, uh, Tuesday nights, 
Tuesday nights is when uh, we get the $3 cheesecake. Come on, somebody. Tuesday nights is date night for us. Tuesday nights is when we hang out, my wife and I, and we have set the margin aside to invest in our marriage. Not only this, not only this, on Saturday, Saturday is our family day. And unless somebody has passed away uh, or something of this nature, uh, at the end of the day, we are committed that nothing will breach our family day unless our family is serving together. Uh, but this is sacred space that we have set aside because we realize that our happiness and our blessing is often attached to what we say no to and the space that we have set aside. Are you with me? And so sometimes our blessing or our happiness is attached to what we don't do. No, if I can go back to the text, I want you to note this in Psalm chapter 1. If you're still with me, say, I'm with you, I'm with you. Okay, here we go. I, I hope this is blessing you. Uh, he says that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, I want you to understand this as we're talking about this. Nor stands in the way of sinners, he says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. I love this. I love this because he's talking about uh, 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 not walking in the counsel of the ungodly not walking in the wisdom of the ungodly not taking our cues and our direction and our leadership from the wicked or the ungodly the word for ungodly there again this is in the hebrew uh, and so i want you to understand ungodly or wicked it's the word rasha and there's a you know there's a there's a roll of the r there <laughs> rasha it's it's it means ungodly or or wicked it's hostile towards god wicked guilty of sin against god or man and so uh, people who are ungodly are people who do not live or build their lives with the purpose of glorifying god and this is where we're talking about when, when we talk about happiness and we're talking about the pursuit of happiness it's it's imperative that we understand what he is saying here he's saying happy is the man that does not follow the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly and if I can give you point number three, and I just got two more after this, uh, not only is sometimes our blessing attached to what we don't do, but also number three, watch this, uh, you are going to be grounded in this season. So I'm telling you stuff that I want you to know and also some things I want you to do. Here it is. Stop taking counsel from ungodly people. Oh my, I want you to hear this. I I'm telling you, you, your life will be impacted if you grasp this and you grab it. And I'm going to break it down a little bit more for you. But stop taking counsel from ungodly people, from people who are not considering God, from people who are not building their lives uh, around princi godly principles, people whose lives are not designed to give God the glory. I want you to understand this. It's not that ungodly people don't have good information. Some of us, the reason why we read and take counsel, and, and mind you, I'm not saying that everything that ungodly people say is bad. Because the Bible makes it clear in James 1.14 that, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from above. You know, and from the Father of lights in who there is no shadow of turning. And so every good and perfect gift comes from above. People are gifted in many cases. They have the ability to be able to conjure and get information, to be able to get nuggets and gems that are strengthening for you and that would come across as they're helpful for your life. And so the one plus one will equal two. But the difference is, this is why it's ungodly. Because the purpose, watch this, it's not that what ungodly people have is not good information but their heart their goal and their agenda is not parallel to yours oh hear me hear me hear me hear what i'm saying their heart their goal their agenda is not parallel to yours so somebody can give you good financial advice somebody can challenge you on the importance of creating generational wealth but is it ultimately are they challenging you to use it to bring glory to god are they challenging you to build a life that lasts beyond this life? Or is it just about building wealth and getting to the place where when you die, those who are after you are going to be able to prosper? That is a great goal to be able that when you leave this earth, that the people behind you are taken care of. But how many of you know that there's coming a time when this earth is going to end? Come on, somebody. And as Christians, it's imperative for us to have not just a goal to build generational wealth and to accrue and to accumulate 
a bunch of stuff i'm telling you you can accumulate and accrue and send finances back generations behind you and yes it's biblical but the fact is the world is going to end and if you do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and dust don't corrupt come on jesus then you will be sorely disappointed. And what it is that you are building is going to be temporal. And no matter how many generations it goes back, eventually it will fizzle or fail. And so it's important for us to realize. This is why 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I want you to write that down. This is an important life text. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He says that whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, that you got to do all things. How many things? All things, somebody in the chat, all things to the glory of God. And so there are a lot of thought leaders out there. And there are a lot of things that are mixed with Christianity. And yes, you know, you can chew meat and spit out bones. But it's imperative for us. And this is what scripture says. The first division of some. Blessed or happy is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Our goal is to build a legacy that glorifies God. Not that glorifies hard work. We got a lot of people, they're like, the hustle, the hustle is God. Come on, somebody. It's about how hard can you work? And there's nothing wrong with hard work. But if that work is not founded or fueled by your God, then it ultimately is glorifying yourself as opposed to glorifying the God that enables and empowers us. To, are you seeing the perspective of what I'm saying? We got a lot of false theology out there that tells you that you are God's. And that you are God and I am God. And so by me doing self-care and me following these rules and these things that are put out there by a lot of these thought provokers, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself because you have to take care of yourself as God. Stop using that scripture in the Bible out of context about ye are gods. That's a whole nother meaning that is not the context that you are making it into be. I don't have time to unpack and to teach it, but I want you to understand that this is why you have to realize, look at the source of what the information and look at the goal. He says, blessed is the man that walks not in the council. I know it's harsh to call someone ungodly, but if their life is not serving God, if their ultimate goal is not glorifying God, then you have to be careful because he makes it clear. Happy is the man. So I say happy is the man. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. In other words, in the path of sinners. And what's indicative here in the, in the Hebrew, as I was studying it, is it's an individual, not that stands in the way, like for, you know, uh, that stands in the way that like blocks or whatever. But it's kind of like indifferent uh, and stands in the path where these sinners or where people who are going to do things that are opposed from God, they stand there so that, you know, uh, so that while the mandem are on their way to do a, a one-two thing, that they buck upon them. And then they're just like, oh, where are you guys going? And then they just start going in that path. This is what he's talking about. Not standing in the way of sinners or sitting. So notice how it gets more secure after, uh, bit by bit. So he says, not walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Walking, okay, we're... We're moving. There's movement. So I'm not secure. But then now uh, uh, when I'm standing, that means I've stopped. And then he goes on and he says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So, uh, so then he goes on and he talks about the next level, which is sitting. When I sit, that means that I am now secure. I am now made the decision that this is where I'm going to sit in the seat of the scornful, especially referring to those who are scornful or who scorn uh, those who have faith in God or who scorn. You know, there are people that talk down about Christianity and say that it's weak people that are in Christ or that sit there and scorn and gossip on others he makes it clear that we that you all be happy if you don't find yourself in a scornful position if you don't find yourself following the counsel of the ungodly you will not be happy you'll be all over the place you will not be grounded if you find yourself in this position i hope you're with me and so then not only this not only this but he goes on and he said in verse two but his delight is in the law of the lord I love it. His delight is in the law of the, war, the Lord. And we're continuing to break it down. The word delight there. The word delight there uh, is the word in the Hebrew, kaifetz. 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 And so that word, that word means pleasure. His, his, his pleasure is in the law of the Lord. His delight, his pleasure.
pleasure. Oh my. Oh my. I mean, I mean, is there anybody other than me that desires and that loves and finds pleasure in studying God's word? I mean, it's his word, as David said, that is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I mean, I wouldn't know that he loved me. I wouldn't know that I would that I'm saved by his grace alone, through faith alone. Come on. I wouldn't know about the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish uh, but would have everlasting life I wouldn't know that if I, I didn't have to be anxious for nothing come on but in everything with prayer and supplication come on Philippians 4 6 that if I make my request known to God that the peace verse 7 of God will pass that passes my understanding will guard my hearts and mind in Christ I wouldn't know about what God has for me if I didn't delight in his word God wants us to be to the place where we delight in his word more than Netflix. Where we delight in his word more than Prime and Disney. And I know I'm not and, and, and all of these things where we did where we delight in his word. It's not that those things are bad, but we delight and find pleasure that we can't wait to be able. I mean, I dare you. You ought to write where you are. Just ask God. God, help me to delight in your word. Delight, delight. He says to delight where we are to the place where we are delighting in his word. You know, and notice he says in, he delights himself in the law of the Lord and on his law does he meditate day and night. And so note this that in Psalm chapter one is where we are. The law, the word for law there is lowercase. And uh, it is indicative of the fact that it's not just referring when you see the word Torah there. It's usually it's often referring to the Pentateuch uh, or the first five books penta first five books of the bible or the torah which is the first five books of the bible but this word also is used uh, to be indicative of what god reveals or god's word that is revealed to us can we just teach this and so i want you to understand here that it's not referring just to the law in terms of the first five books of the bible but especially at this point he david was more so talking about the fact that it was to encompass all of god's revealed word at that time in fact, uh, if, if we look at Albert Barnes, the commentary, uh, and I love looking at, we call them ODGs, old dead guys uh, that have great things to say uh, and give us some clarification on some of these passages. Albert Barnes says in his commentary, here the word undoubtedly, speaking of law, refers to the written revelation of the will of God as far as it was then made known. On that same principle, however, the declaration here made would apply to any part of divine revelation. And hence, here it is, the sentiment is that a truly pious man finds his highest delight. Somebody say his highest delight. His highest delight in the revealed truths of God's word. And so this is what we're talking about. As Christians, we are what is known as sola scriptura. We ought to hold this. This is Latin for scripture is our highest rule of faith and practice. And we ought to be to the place where we are so desirous and so pleased by God's word. Where it's not that we are solo scriptura because that's the difference. Solo scriptura would mean we only read scripture. And no, we're not solo scriptura, we're sola scriptura, which means it's our highest rule of faith and practice. So I'll read some magazines, come on somebody, but because I'm sola scriptura, if it says something that contradicts God's word, come on, that is what I'm going with God's word as opposed to what the magazine said. I'm going to read and watch uh, some of these movies and a lot of these movies, they, uh, they say a lot of good things and it's cool, but they have an agenda and they slip some ungodliness in there. Come on somebody. Somebody and stuff to challenge your perspective of who God is and you say no the fool says that there is no God come on somebody and you get to the place where you know he walks with you and he talks with you and he tells you that he that you are his own and because of your experience with him and that which you know about the word of God because you are sola scriptura you say I am not accepting that who's with me on today got to get to the place here we go surf city it's time for some of you to grow up some of y'all been saved for a long time don't mean you're grown you can be you can have gray hair and be a kid you can have gray hair and be a kid in the spirit 
and be immature. And for many of you, you are professing Christians, but it's time now for you to be potent. God's desire is for you to be able to give an answer, especially in this time where people are willing to blow their brains out. When people are wondering and they're looking and saying, God couldn't be with us. Look at Rona. Come on, somebody. But I wonder if there's anybody that's watching this that knows that we have a hope beyond Rona. We have a hope beyond anything. Come on. That happens in this world. Don't matter what's going to happen in 21. Some of us make jokes and say that 2020 just went and put on a wig and came back as 2021. Come on, somebody. And you going through all sorts of stuff. But I wonder if there's anybody that's watching that knows that don't matter what comes up. When you have, when you delight yourself in God's word, you know that there is more after this. Come on, right there. If you know there's more after this, I, I, you want to put those hands together and give the Lord praise. Come on and clap those hands right where you are. Come on in the chat. Put there's more after this. You ought to have some security and know that no matter what, not even death is the end for the believer. It says that in the word. Blessed is his, the death of is his saints in the sight of the Lord. So it's imperative, he says. And as we go back to the text, note what he says here. He says, uh, he delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in his law, does he meditate day and night? Come on. Does he meditate day and night? Does he meditate day and night? Meditation is a big craze today. Everybody talking about meditating. Some people are meditating to talk to their ancestors. Some people are meditating because most people, you know, this idea of emptying your mind. Some I was reading, you know, read to meditate to focus in on something so you get to a place of, uh, you know, through not having your mind all over the place, you know, that you laser in and you focus and through thoughtlessness you get to thoughtfulness. And become focused around. And many of us, we just jump on these fads. And you sitting there with your legs crossed. And you sitting there sitting on the thing. And you doing and you um. And you chanting. And you doing all this stuff. Come on, somebody jumping on every single thing that you see. Oh, can I just come for it today? The fact of the matter is you need to understand. Here's point number four. Christians meditate to fill our minds with God's word. Not to empty our minds. There's a difference. Meditation is in scripture, but the devil has counterfeits. And much of that meditation that y'all do is rooted in Buddhism. Oh, can I just keep it real? And you don't even realize when you're sitting there and you're chanting and when you're sitting there and you're talking and you're doing all this stuff and walking in these practices, you don't realize that you are walking in idolatry. You are following the counsel of the ungodly. Come on, somebody. You are following the pattern. If I asked you, do you worship Buddha? You'd be like, nah. Many of some of you watching, you might say you do. You should stop because Sudarta Gautama is not God. Yahweh is the most high God. Come on. And I love you, but I tell you the truth. But the fact of the matter is that in many cases, there are people, watch this, there are people who are practicing these things. The Bible talks about meditation, godly meditation. He says it's to meditate on the word of God day and night. That's what we're to do. We meditate to fill our minds with God's word. Here it is. Uh, this is imperative for Christians. So we're not just meditating for the heck of meditating. We're not meditating to empty our minds. We're not meditating. Some of you, you know, you're focused on something that you shouldn't be focused on in meditating. You meditate because you think, you know, uh, that when you focus on something, that that's how you're going to get this thing. And you sit there meditating on somebody else's wife. You sit there focusing on something that you're not supposed to have. Talking about you're going to manifest this thing. Come on, somebody. All these principles and things that are in scripture that oftentimes we allow the enemy to pervert them. Can I just keep it real? But I hear David, David says in Psalm 19, verse 14, Psalm 19, verse 14, he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart is something that our family recites together. We've taught our kids this and we recite it together at the end of our prayers. Maybe some of you did the same thing. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Oh, my. This is our declaration. The meditation, the things that we are meditating on. It ought to be stuff that brings glory to God. There ought to be stuff, the meditation, the way we're meditating, what we're meditating on. It ought to fill us with wonder and awe for God and not 
get us to the place where we are just focused in on ourselves or focused in on nothingness or any of this nature. The fact is, there are many of us trying to rid our mind of certain thoughts that you just need to deal with with the word. And if the word, if you were saturated with the word, it's some of that stuff that wouldn't even be able to take residence in you. Come on, sit in there and let forgetting about stuff, trust me, and focusing in, it's going to come back until you put some word in there. And so it's imperative by Apostle Paul says to the church of Philippi in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there be any excellence, if there be anything word of, worthy of praise, think about these things. This is it. This is it. This is imperative. It's important for us uh, to be to the place where we meditate on God's word day and night. Doesn't mean you walk around like one of them folk that just have the big Bibles and they just walk around and you see them in the in the uh, in the in the, the, the train and they just are weird and they just sit there with the Bible open all the time. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, you got to get one of those crazy uh, uh, answering machines and when people call you, uh, it answers. It's like hey, come on, come on, come on, let the words of my mouth and the med no, you don't need to be weird. You don't. That's not what I'm talking about. There ought to be a word in your spirit come on when you get up in the morning I hope that you're reading and studying and if you have not been this is the perfect opportunity for you to do it for the first time go in your word and grab a scripture now this month this month we're memorizing Psalm chapter 1 grab this scripture grab one of them and meditate on it day and night let it be in your spirit. Let it begin to be in your heart and your mind. It's powerful. Uh, I, I want you to note this. I want you to note this. And, and, and I want to say this. It's not about, it's not about, it's not about knowing the word. I mean, it's not about knowing addresses. Knowing addresses is not the most important thing. Addresses in scripture are not the most important thing. It's knowing the word that is most important. Somebody say knowing the word. Don't read it and be like, man, how am I going to remember, you know, for, don't focus on addresses. Don't focus on, you know, Matthew 6, and this and that. Don't even focus on that. Focus on just getting the word in you. Can I tell you a fun fact? Fact of the matter is that script, that chapters and verses were not even in scripture until much later than after scripture was written. When scripture was copied, it was copied to scrolls and there was no, there was no, I'm telling you, it did not look like the way that we look like it. Scripture uh, chapters and verses, if I can just teach for a bit, were not even established until the 13th century. Uh, the fact is that Stephen Langton in the 13th century added what we use today as chapter divisions. And he did so in the Latin Vulgate. And so we find out that it was not, it was in, uh, it was some of these were used, some of the manuscripts date back to the 4th century, however, some, um, some form of chapter divisions were used. In 1551, Robert Estien, a.k.a. Stephanus, added verse divisions to his 4th edition of the Greek New Testament while en route between Paris and Lyons, France. And the first translation to employ his verse versification was the Geneva translation of 1557. So verses and chapters and all of this were not even in place. As you can imagine, there is benefit to the fact that we now have chapters and verses in scripture. It helps us to describe. But for those of you who are like, oh, isn't it so divine that God made, you know, Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, that they're both dealing with Jesus' temptation and all this. That is not. The, this was added, these were things that were made and that were divided up to help us to be able to, you know, separate up stories and all of this sort of stuff and to help us better understand. The focus should not be, focus should not be on, on getting to the place where we are just remembering chapters and verses, but it should be about us getting the word in our heart. Are you with me? And so not only this, this is it. This is, empower, this is important for us to understand. Why is it that I'm to meditate on the word? I love it. There are benefits. Somebody say benefits. There are benefits to me meditating on the word, to be doing this, to be meditating on this. I'm telling you, instead of meditating on what he said to you and what she said to you and the thing that has been causing you for the next uh, month, you need to begin to retrain your mind by the grace and the help of God to begin remembering and meditating and focusing and replacing those thoughts with the truth of God's word David says in Psalm 119 verse 11 I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you King James says I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's, it's a, he, he says that he stores as we were talking about it we started the importance of storing it in your heart 
That you may not sin against him. When you put the word of God in your heart, it positions you. It gives you empowerment to not sin against God. There are some of you that are battling and dealing with some forms of sin and things that have you in bondage sin-wise. I challenge you to grab God's word and put it in you. And it will hinder you from being bound. God's word is a deliverer. God delivers through his word. Can I just testify? I mean, there are all sorts of things that I was bound with. Come on, all forms of lust and all sorts of crazy things. And I'm so grateful. Is it okay for pastors to be honest? It's when I got, it wasn't until I got this word in me. Oh, you can try as hard as you want. You can try, you can put in effort, but deliverance does not come from a whole bunch of effort. It's not by might. It's not by our power, but it's the spirit of God. Come on, somebody. And it happens by us getting the word of God in our spirit. Even Jesus shows us in Luke chapter 4. I want you to write this down. Luke chapter 4, I'm almost done. Verses 4 through 13. Read that whole passage. And Jesus shows us that when he is, you know, I love Jesus because Jesus didn't just show up and just tell us what to do. But Jesus showed up and he showed us what to do. He was baptized in Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, we find that Jesus is tempted by the devil. And the way that he fights is not by cussing him out. The way he fights is not by being arrogant and prideful. But Jesus shows us the power of fighting with the word. Come on, somebody. And so he spends time fighting Satan with the word and backs him off to the point where he goes away and there are many of you you have been fighting with gossip you have been fighting uh, with with words that you shouldn't be saying you have been fighting with meditation trying to empty your mind come on and you and i we got to get to the place where we begin to fight with the word of god not only does he say this hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 write this down these are life-changing scriptures i'm going through them because i want you to grab them god wants you to be grounded here it is for the word of god is living and active the word of god is alive it's active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart this word is alive that's why it's so powerful. That's why we encourage you to put it in your spirit because it's living. You're not putting something dead inside of you. Come on, somebody. Some of the stuff you watch and some of the stuff you read is dead. It does not have life. The Bible says the word is quick. It's alive. Come on. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. What it can do is it can cut us and challenge us, but it can also do surgery on us. It can heal you, it can challenge you, it can correct you, but it also does surgery on us. This is why 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 uh, and also 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. So write this down. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 and 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21. Let us know the scripture were inspired by God. The guys didn't just write what they thought. Some people say, oh, they just wrote what they thought. They just trying to control you and just mind, uh, mind frig you and all this stuff. And whatever. No, that's not it. They didn't write as they thought. They were inspired by God. And the idea and the purpose is so that we can know of God. And, and uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 lets us know that it's for uh, the, the, the desire to equip us and to build us and to make sure that we are to a place that we are mature and equipped to do every good work. And so when we're talking talking about God's word coming to us and us being grounded in his word it positions us to be mature and also to be used by him Ephesians 6 17 Ephesians 6 17 talking about meditating and why we meditate it tells us that the word of God is the sword of the spirit and so not only when he talks about this is him talking about the armor of God so not only does God's word challenge and correct us and also do surgery on us but we also are able to use it as a sword and so even as we saw that jesus does uh, when in matthew chapter 4 and luke chapter 4 we use god's word as a sword are you with me and then as i bring this down i want you to note this back in verse back in verse 3 and that person that meditates on the law the word of god day and night watch this says in verse 3, he shall be like a tree. Somebody say, like a tree. He'll be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. Somebody say, the rivers of water. 
the rivers of water here it is that brings forth his fruit in his season his leaf watch this also will not wither Whew, i love it i love it i love it and whatever he does will prosper oh, oh, i'm telling you this is what i'm telling you this is a life hat passage this is a life hack passage come on put in the chat this is a life hack this is a life hack i'm telling you if you want happiness and happiness that god desires for you to have that when it is that you that you put the word that you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly where you don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful when you delight yourself in the law of god this is what he likens you unto says you will be like a tree that is planted somebody in the chat put planted 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 here it is i'm gonna give you my last point uh, and he says he says that your leaf whatever you your leaf will not wither he says that you'll bring forth your fruit in your season and whatever you do will prosper here's number five for you uh being planted in the word causes here it is productivity security and prosperity here we go i want you to grab this number five being planted in the word causes productivity he says that you will bring forth your fruit in his season and then he says security watch this he says your leaf will not wither and prosperity whatever you do will prosper not because you are sitting out here just naming and claiming random stuff not because you are sitting there planted in your own agenda and your own wants and your selfishness but when it is that you and i are planted when we are planted in god's word when we are imbuing ourselves and ingesting god's word when we are memorizing god's word and bringing it inside of us what happens is we are we prosper we are productive and we are secure i mean god has called us to make progress by being planted sounds oxymoronic doesn't it being making progress by being planted i mean this is countercultural to our non-committal generation this generation is all about you know i just want to keep my options open fam y'all don't want to keep it real with me i just want to we are in an i just want just want to keep my options open that's why nobody don't want to get married. Come on, somebody. You will. Can I just keep it real? Oh, man, I'm going to come down your road. That's why there's so many people that they would rather shack and live with folk for years and years and years and years just in case. So that they can always have an out to be able to, because we are in a non-committal generation where people care. This is why we have so many flaky people today. God's desire is not for us to be flaky. His desire is for us to be planted. No, I'm not preaching perfection because I am not perfect. But I'm telling you that if more of us would get to the place where we have the mindset where we are not flaky people. I mean, we, we think that we always got to be moving. Always got to be doing stuff. That, that we got to, in this microwave generation, we got to get stuff the quick way all the time. Can I tell you that the shortcut is often the long way? In the kingdom the shortcut is often the long way the the, the the things that God wants to do in you can't happen in the the, the the shortened time frame that you and I are always oftentimes trying to put ourselves in and we follow the ungodly person says how is the quickest way that I can get to this thing get rich quick schemes get this, do this quick do, and God oftentimes wants to let us know that the shortcut is actually the long way and it sounds crazy because you're like, w I want to be able to move. How am I supposed to stand? I'm telling you. Notice he says that you're not planted by stagnant water. He says that you're planted by the streams or by the rivers of water. When you're planted in God's word, it's fresh. Come on. It's fresh there. It is refreshing. God sends nourishment to the tree, to you and I as a tree, to where you are progressing even though you're planted. I'm telling you, the people who are going to prosper and are going to be secure in this season, especially in the midst of so much tumult, are those who are planted in God and his word. In fact, those who are watching right now, if that's you and you're like, I'm going to be planted. I want you to put that in the chat. Say, I am going to be planted. Those who are grounded and planted by the streams of water. Those are planted by the streams of water. When you're planted in the word. I'm telling you it's powerful because many of you, you're scared. You're like, man, I don't want to. I'm telling you the best place you can be planted is in God's word. And you can be happy. You can be blessed when it is that you do so and that you put yourself in this position. And what I love is I want you to understand even when we think about being planted and, and progress happening during, uh, with this concept of being planted. 
is that we need to understand it's a difference between, when you think about money, there's a difference between just putting money in a bank account or just hiding it and putting it in savings and there's nothing happening there. There's a difference between putting money in a bank account and investing money. And what happens is when you put it in an investment account or you put it in an account and an account that accrues interest, the money, once it's invested in there, over time, it begins to grow. Although it's planted, although it's stationary, it is accruing or gathering income to add to what it is, oh my, that you put in there in the first place. And this is the way that we are supposed to think when we're thinking about God's word. It's important for us to understand that when you are planting yourself, it is not that you are being hindered. You are not becoming immobile, meaning that you're not going to progress. But I'm here to tell you again that you will be productive. You will be secure and you will prosper. You will prosper when you are planted in God's word. That's a word over you on today. And I want you to note this. There's a difference. I'm telling you, notice he says that you will bring forth fruit. Here's the productivity in your season. When I think about a line, you know, people who are in line and then somebody's turn comes up at the window and they walk away. And then I get closer to my position. And eventually, eventually I get to my turn. Come on, somebody. But I can't get my turn if I'm not in the line. My turn won't come up if I'm not in the line. And there are many of you, you've been waiting. You're wondering, when is it going to be my turn? Are you in the line? Are you planted by the stream of water so that when God sends what it is that he wants to bring through you down the line, down the stream, are you in position to be able to grab it? There's some of you, you, the reason why I'm here to tell you the reason why you have not, no, you know, we're not prosperity preachers. You know, we don't spend time until you turn back flips and all this stuff and you're going to get a money and all this stuff. No, but the word of God makes it clear in second Corinthians nine, verse six to 11. He who sows bountifully or gives bountifully into the kingdom of God that they will reap bountifully and we got to do so cheerfully and not because I told you so he said and not because someone held a gun to your neck or not because and you don't give and then hold your hand around it when you put it in the ground God loves a cheerful giver or not to give grudgingly he says and that when you do so that God will, will bless you he'll give to you so you can be blessed and so others can be blessed but there are many of you you are not experiencing it and it's because you're tipping Jesus like a bad waiter. When offering time comes, you just, you're like, okay. Um, or you just turn it off and you roll. Oh, this bathroom break. But if we really understand about being planted in God and trusting in him and following his word. James 1.22 says that we're not just supposed to be hearers of the word. But we're deceiving our own selves. But that we are supposed to be doers of the word and so the scripture ends and says in verse five in verse four rather he says the ungodly are not so for they are like the chaff that the wind drives away and that's the thing you might be following some people now that you think oh man these people are successful and these are people that i need to follow and look at how, how they got rich and their their career took off and all this stuff and whatever i'm here to tell you you do not follow hear me Happiness does not come by following ungodly people, even though they're great. They could be as sweet as pie. And this is where I call unto you Christians. I call unto you Christian counselors. Come on. I call unto you Christian individuals. It's time for us to rise up. If there was more godly influence in the world, Christians wouldn't have to run after the world. It's time for the kingdom to rise up. Come on. Counselors, arise. Christian business owners, come on, and thought leaders, arise. Christian musicians, arise. Come on, we need to, the prophets, your voice is needed. Be activated and arise. Be activated and be louder than the voice of the psychic. Christian entrepreneurs, arise. Come on, teach people how to live godly. Teach people how to meditate in a godly fashion so that their focus will not be on the ungodly. Give them the option. Walk in the obedience that God has called you to. We got to be like a tree. I'm here to tell you, you grab this stuff and you put it in your spirit. I encourage you to note and to understand that indeed, indeed life will 
change for you. And some of you, you're like, well, why is it that I need to listen to God's word? Why is it that I need to trust in Christ and, and then plant myself in his word? And I'm here to tell you that the reason why we trust Christ is because of the greatest love display that has ever been given to mankind. The greatest love display, and that's the love display in Jesus Christ that Bible makes it clear that our first parents, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. They did what God told them not to do. And consequently, something called sin, which is inherited upon us, it's a positioning where we are separated from God and consequently we do things that are aside from God's will. And the Bible also says in Romans 6.23 that this sin, the wages of it is death. But a beautiful thing, be part of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So although the wages of sin is death, death, I don't have to convince you that people are dying, they die every day. That's because of sin. But also eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the good news is, the good news is that if you and I, if we would put trust in Christ, if we would give him our lives, that we could have life eternal today, that we could have relationship with God right now. This relationship can be restored. And so you watching all around the world, wherever you're watching from, I invite you and I encourage you in this moment to come to Christ and to put your trust in him. You might say, why should I do that? Well, over 2,000 years ago, Yahweh, the most high God, put on flesh, the Bible says in John 1:14, came to earth, lived perfectly on your behalf and my behalf because we could not. He knew that we were sinners and we were jacked up and we couldn't do it by ourselves. He took our punishment. He went to the cross. He died on our behalf. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from death with all power. And he extends the free gift of salvation and relationship with God to you and to me today. And if you would believe and if you would put your trust in him today, you can have this life eternal. You can have this life eternal that he talks about. And you can have relationship with God right now it can start right now doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter how far you've gone away from God for those of you who at one point trusted in Christ you might have run away from him but he's never run away from you so listen I'm getting ready to lead a prayer of commitment and if you're like today is my day pastor it's the first time I, I'm gonna give my life to Christ this is the best time the top of the year I'm gonna I'm gonna give my life to Christ today and if that person is you, you might be someone that says, I ran away from Christ and today I'm coming back home. Don't matter how far you've gone, today you can come back home to him. And so I'm getting ready to lead this prayer of commitment. And I want to invite you where you are to do some introspection. Look at yourself with introspective analysis and say, hey, you know, if I was to die today, would I be with God forever? Check yourself right now. Are you in relationship with him? And if that person is you for the first time, or even if you're coming back home, it's not this prayer that saves, it's Jesus that saves, but this prayer is a line in the sand saying, I'm coming home to you. And so if that person is you, right where you are on the count of three, if you're like, that's me, right there where you're at, don't be ashamed. Don't worry about who's next to you. On the count of three, I want you to pop that hand up. One, two, three. Come on, pop that hand up if that person is you. If you're like, that's me today. Come on, I can see those hands in the spirit, people making those decisions for Christ on today. Glory to our God. Hallelujah. Well, listen, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And so pray it out loud. Repeat it after me. We say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power. Come into my life and make me new. Be with me now and forevermore. And I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name amen come on can we celebrate those who made that decision come on serve city family everywhere come on put those hands together we celebrate those who have made that decision for jesus come on hallelujah and you are the living word come on say jesus jesus hey that's what we call you come on manger born but on the you died you died to save humanity you are the living word you are the, come on say jesus 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 
That's what we call you, say. What we call you. Come on, major born. Say major born. But on. You died to save humanity. Come on. You are the living word. You say, oh. Oh. Come on, say, oh. Come on, sing it right there in your living room. Come on. Oh. Let's sing this oldie. Cry out, you are, you are the say oh, say oh, say oh, hallelujah. Oh, you are the living word. Come on, one more time, Jesus. Say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's what we call you. Major born, major born. You are the living word, say you are Jesus, Jesus, say Jesus. That's what we call you. Hey. Oh, say, oh. You die. You are the living word. You are the Say you are the living word. Say you are the living word. Come on. Say you are the living word. You are the living word. You are the living word. One last time. Say oh. You are the living word. You are the living word. Glory to God. Come on. I hope you were blessed right there wherever you are.